live from Walpole in Framingham, Massachusetts. This is 1833 Sports. On today's podcast, we are joined by Max Troiani. Max, how you doing? What's up, boys? Oh, it's just you. Is it just you? Yeah. It's yes, just you. he uh, got called into work, unfortunately, last second, but it's all right. I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So you go to uh, where? So where do you go to school? I, I go to LaSalle University right near Bentley. Okay, so that's hence the uh, LaSalle Zoom link. Exactly. And then, and then do you have a buddy that does this with you? Yes, my uh, friend Connor. He goes. To, he went to LaSalle, then he went to uh, Riviera University, which is up in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire. He he plays uh, baseball up there. Okay. Is he will, he? will he be joining us? He might join a little bit later. It all depends. He does landscaping, so he might get off a little bit late. It's all up in the air, but uh, it's all whatever works. Whoever works, so I'm okay with it. So that's fine. Um. So like, w when did you guys start this? What like? When have you start podcast? So Connor and I for the about. I don't know. If, so about about a year and a half, probably for now, we've been kind of, we always talked about sports, but we never really like decided, Oh, Hey, let's do a podcast. Like we never really like decided to put pen to paper or mic to voice as they would say for this. Yeah, for sure. And then we ended up, all right, let's do it. And we started it a couple of weeks ago. We both know a bunch of people through like the minor leagues, even collegiate that have played, that have played baseball, soccer, track. And we thought, you know, why not tell their story? Because not everyone's the same thing with recruitment. And I really think it's interesting that, you know, like you, I, I didn't know who you were until I was randomly at a – so actually, I've been with the Wareham Gateman for, for, for about seven years. I was a bat boy wow. for a long time. Actually, okay. uh, I don't know if you can see it behind me. There's a pennant where they won a couple of years ago that I, I, yeah. I ring with them. But um, anyway nice. – and I'll, I'm glad we're doing this. I can put this, throw this on there. But uh, when um, my first game I went to last year, you were playing against Wareham. And the reason you stuck out to me was because there was a fan behind, behind the cage, behind the, behind the gate, and they were screaming your name. And I'm like, it's kind of early in the game for that to be happening. A young, a young kid, I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you do. My family was there. So um, that, there you go. Yeah, I remember that game. And I'm like, wow, that's – you know, that's kind of cool for a player, regardless. Now I know it's your family, obviously, to be engaged yeah. with the fan that early. And then throughout the season, I, I kept seeing, you know, man, this Troiani kid, he, he's putting up numbers, and he's from Bentley, obviously, right near LaSalle. So it's kind of cool, you know, obviously, I'm, even though we're D3, to have someone, you know, in the area, even though you're from New York, but still kind of put that kind of area on the map to say, and then making the all-star team, which we'll get to later. But it's kind of definitely cool to see all that happen from a – outside perspective yeah no it was uh it was a dream man I'll, I'll probably say it again on the podcast but dude it was unreal to be down there um we'll save conversation for later that's but that's pretty good how did uh Pittsburgh Mengen prepare you for Bentley in terms of baseball or just in terms of like uh academics yeah so um my academic life uh it's obviously started in the household um from a very young age I was in an academic centric household. Um, my mother was a math major in college um, I, and my, my father's an engineer. Um, and so we were always taught, you know, homework before you go to practice. Um, and just that structure from a young age um, and the importance of school taught me a lot about discipline, you know, not even in the classroom, but, but outside, you know, the, the notion that if you work hard um, you will have success. And so 
I took this in, you know, from middle school and up to Pittsburgh Men in high school um, in the classroom. And, you know, it, it really transferred into my, my baseball game from a, from a discipline perspective, uh, going to the cages every day, working hard in practice every day. Um, and so from the academic side, really prepared me for school. Um, Pittsburgh is one of the top ranked public schools in, um, in, the, in the state and if not the country. So, right. you know, that's one of the reasons I got into Bentley. Um, and we'll talk about that later. I uh, just fell in love with the campus. But as for baseball, you know, we weren't really a big powerhouse um, in terms of baseball. But, you know, the thing about high school baseball is, you know, you're just playing with your buddies and, and the bonds that you make in, in the, in the dugout and in the locker room and stuff like that, like those last forever. Um, And so when I played baseball uh, in high school, you know, no one from my, well, one other kid from my team went to play in college ball. Um, And the other one was, was me obviously, but funny thing is I went to Bentley and, and Bentley doesn't recruit. Okay, so we're we're a D two school. We're pretty um, underfunded in relation to this the schools in our conference and in the NE ten. And so I went to Bentley. Um, I chose it obviously for its beautiful campus, and um, I went there with the mindset that you know um, if you make the team, then you're playing baseball. But if you don't, you're done. Like that was just my mindset, and I was okay with that because I was super. Um, academic oriented, but I had a love for the game. Um, you know, they didn't have a club team, so that was really it. So, you know, Mendon not only provided me the the, the academic um, structure that I needed, but it also gave me boys, uh, my teammates that, you know, supported me through all of this and, and my head coach, Jeff Amoroso, and my assistant coaches, Lou Dickinson and Justin Smith were just instrumental in pushing me to go to the next level. So, you know, the success at the high school level um, definitely warranted at least a shot to play at the college level. So, like you, so I kind of found this out while doing a little research, like you just said, Bentley doesn't do, uh, doesn't do a lot of recruiting. Um, did, so, besides Bentley, did you, have, did you have any recruitment for any other colleges for, for baseball or no? So, uh, short answer is no. Like, I had, I went to, like, one showcase. I wasn't a huge showcase travel ball guy like I did my work uh, on the field in high school and played travel ball but you know I, I I didn't believe in like trying to go out and like be this big baseball hype beast like I was just my mindset was if you're good they'll find you um and unfortunately in Rochester you know we're not a huge powerhouse of a city in baseball so no one really came around the corner and like found me or heard of me so kind of shot myself in the foot there but um my coach had called um my coach had called the assistant coach at Bentley Kevin Loftus and was like you know you got this great player one of the best hitters to go through our program and and the assistant coach the, the Bentley people hear it all the time they're like yeah yeah like tell them to try out we'll see it for ourselves um and so when I got to Bentley I actually showed up with a metal bat um, I heard that because I just didn't know we were wood um <laughs> luckily I had a wood bat that I brought with me to school for training purposes so I showed up with both and it was kind of embarrassing showing up with a metal bat but uh 
picked up the wood and started ripping balls and had a good tryout. I was actually a third baseman in high school. Um, and then I kind of transitioned um, into the outfield throughout the years. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, that program is, is, is um, what's the word? Unique. Um, like they'll cut seniors um, if, if they don't feel like they're productive. And that's why you're always on your toes in that program. And that's why it's all walk on because they don't believe in um, giving special treatment to anyone. You got to earn everything you get there. I definitely agree what you said about if you're good, they'll find you. Personally, I, I obviously I didn't play in college well at LaSalle, but I know my, my brother who plays basketball, like it's definitely like, you know, if you don't need to go to the showcase, you don't need to go to a um, perfect game. If, if you're good, people will find you. You'll, you'll create, you create your own bus, especially in the age we are today with social media. If you post something, there's a good chance you'll, you can get noticed by someone here or there and where it gets around. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I was a firm believer in that. And I, I didn't like the, I consider myself a pretty modest guy in terms of like, I don't like to push my abilities in anyone's face. So for me to go out and like, like approach a college was like not something I wanted to do. I wanted them to come to me. Unfortunately at the high school level, it just didn't happen like that because you know, there's not, like I said, Rochester's like not where you find good mm -hmm. baseball players um, in general, although we've had success in recent past. We actually have a Mendon alum in the um, White Sox major league uh, level. Um, really? Cool. Who? Yeah. His name's Danny Mendick. Um, he got called up last year. He should be on the 40 man this year if the MLB figures out how to play baseball this summer. Um, exactly. so, so, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – it was interesting at the high school level not to receive the, if, if you're good, they'll find you treatment, but at the college level, um, it, it definitely worked out. So like you said about the Cape and before we get to that, talk about your progress, at least up till uh, summer of your junior year within the Bentley program. How did you progress from freshman year? Maybe not, I don't know if maybe from like as a freshman, you know, you don't really play a lot till obviously being one of the best hitters in your conference. Yeah. So Freshman year, I came in, my boots were shaking, like I was nervous um, because I came from Rochester and like highs below I saw in high school was 85. Like that was it. And now I come in and um, they set the machine up in the first day of tryouts and it's at 85 high and in. So you got to get your hands there. And I had success and then and, and in the tryout, which is obviously why I made the team. And that kind of showed me that, you know, you can do this and that your ability goes, you know, beyond high school. So it was the right call to, you know, be there and to try out and stuff. So freshman year, a funny story. My first um, 17 at-bats, I went over 17 with 10Ks. Um, got screamed at by my coach, my head coach, uh, Bob DeFelice. It's been there for... Um, 52 years now uh 51 52 years and he let he let me have it you have all this ability what are you doing get up there and hit the ball kind of give me a wake-up call but you know in my defense the first series we played was against tampa university we always open up against them in my first three years we didn't do it this year because they were playing in like yankee stadium or something crazy like that because they're dirty so i was seeing 90 plus consistently for the first time I remember after the first game sitting in the hotel lobby calling my dad 
and went like 0 for 4 with 3Ks. And I was like, Dad, I saw 90 miles an hour for the first time. <laughs> like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I had little success to start. And I was like, well, like, is this it? I sat the bench. Uh, I also, that was, I was DHing at the time because um, I hit well during practice. And so I sat the bench and um, didn't come back until uh, about 70% of the way through, probably 60% of the way through um, the season. Um, pinch hit against St. A's and just ripped an absolute piss missile over the shortstop's head. Um, the hardest ball I'd hit up to that date and from then on, I never left the, the lineup. I played third base that day. Um, I was having some trouble fielding. I hadn't played in a while. I just just wasn't uh, attacking baseballs. You know, I was letting them play me. Uh, my arm was fine. My arm was good. That's why I was playing third. But um, then our center fielder goes down. And um, so the left fielder goes to center and I go to left. Uh, first game I played and left, made a diving catch into the fence uh, in foul territory. Um, learned to love the outfield because it's it's not it's different instinct than the infield. The reason why I loved the reason why I love third base is because it was instinct. It was hot corner. It was it's on you. You got you got to get it. And I played short my whole life, and I would make errors because I I I'd just be sitting back and like letting the ball play me. Whereas at third base, just it's coming at you, you better get it. So I, I like my instincts better than my thoughts. And so that's why the outfield I felt like was so much easier than the infield because you're literally a wide receiver and you're just going, you're tracking down like a, a 60 yard bomb. Like you just go catch it. That's my, that's so, right place. My favorite. Yeah. So, I mean, you take a drop step and you sprint, there's really nothing around it unless the ball's tailing and, and, and you know, the right left field uh, tails towards the line. So um, loved the outfield. And then they realized I had speed and, and our center fielder wasn't um, gifted in the art of speed. And so I, I went to center field and uh, started my first game in center field against Southern New Hampshire in the playoffs. Um, and, and then from there, um, it was, it was in my freshman year that I started to hit well. Uh, I had one home run that year. Um, it was eye-opening to see that I could adapt to that level. And then my sophomore year came around and started center field every game, uh, hitting the 350s, and that's where I really made my mark. I had 17 stolen bags. Um, I had, uh, uh, I think, only like two homers two maybe two homers I think um started like I had a bunch of doubles started hitting the ball for power um and then junior year is really when it all clicked um I had this new confidence because uh, I came in and I was um I hit 350 I almost led the league in hitting and I came in the next year and looking for blood and started hitting the ball and remember we're all wood so and our 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 um dimensions at Bentley are 340 down the line and 410 to center so you really got to poke that thing out there to uh to get it out and um started hitting the ball very well a um, bunch of doubles slugging percentage got up there I think I had like nine or ten home runs and then that's where it just flowed into the cape and um you know the rest so 
I'm dying to know what, how, what's the process in finding out like the initial stage of going to Cape league. I know you had a temp contract will get to all that, but how does it transpire and all that? How did I get there? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, is it like a phone call? Like, well, how's it yeah. go? So, so essentially I had scouts coming junior year to my, to my games, a couple, like only like the Red Sox and the Yankees, I think were the only two that I knew that were there. Um, they tend to blend in. There could have been other teams, but I was, I wasn't known, like no one knew me and I was just starting to get my feet wet and all this. And so this Yankee scout comes and I'm just hitting the, hitting the crap out of the ball. And, um, we started conversation. Um, actually in that prior year, August, I had been invited to, um, a, um, prospect workout at Bentley cause Bentley hosts it. And it was put on by the Yankee scouts because they have a good relationship with uh, my coach, uh, DeFelice. And they were like, well, if you have some players that you'd want to invite, like, go ahead. Like, they can come along for the ride. And um, they had a couple of guys on the team that they picked out. And my coach is like, put this kid on the list. And so I went, flew down um, for two days did the tryout and then um, I hit I hit very well at the tryout. I had some very good throws from the outfield. Um, I tripped out of the out of the starting blocks on the 60 because it was it was raining um, at the time and my last name starts with T and um, so they went alphabetical and so by the time I got to the starting blocks it was like mud in the in the block and so I, I tripped I should have felt and like had <clears throat> done a redo but I ended up running like a five flat which is just horrible and not a representation of my speed so you know I wasn't extremely toolsy in their eyes at that point um but you know flash forward to the um the my junior year spring you know I had the Yankees and the Red Sox as the top two teams um gunning to potentially draft me in like uh the 30s rounds okay so i mean not gunning because no one was really like panicking at all to take me um but they were gonna give me a shot and um i appreciated the interest from the organization and and all that and so what it came down to was the yankees weren't going to take me because they didn't think i could play at the next level um because bentley's what 85 to 88 on a daily and not what the sec is which is 90 to 94 out of stock righty and 89 to 91 out of stock lefty so i mean that's fine like i understood that um and so what they did was they said hey we'll give you i'm going to try and get you a temp contract in the cape we want to see how you do and then we'll try and sign you um if you do well after the two weeks and you'll be okay um, or when the free agent signing period starts in August or something. So, or when it ends in August, something, I don't know, something like that. So they plan to see how I did in the Cape and then sign me. So that's when um, Northeast Yankee scout Matt Hyde um, called Kelly Nicholson of the Orleans Firebirds and said, hey, you know, um, you know, because Matt had coached in Orleans and has a great relationship with Kelly. And um, so they gave me a shot. They, they, uh, my coach called me into the office and said, Hey, um, Kelly Nicholson called. He, he's going to offer you a temp in the Cape. I was like, the hell does that mean? Like I had heard of the Cape and like, I know it's a sick like league. It's the, you know, the most prestigious league, summer league in the nation. Um, 
but I just didn't know anything about it. Like, what do you mean? I got to stay there all summer. Like, I don't know anyone there. I was just clueless. And I had a job in banking at the time, which we can talk about later. But um, so, yeah, I, I ended up taking the temp and um, played well. And, um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the lead up to it was that this Yankee scout wanted to see how I did um, at the higher level. That's incredible. I, 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 I've known a lot of guys here through the cave. I've always wanted to hear that story, hear how it goes. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier the wooden bat, wooden bats at Bentley. Obviously, Cape League, wooden bat league. Did that, I'm guessing, help you right away off the bat just to while everyone else is trying to figure out how to hit a bat, hit a ball with a metal, with a wooden bat? 100%. It's, it's just, I think it's one of the sole reasons why I was able to have so much success in the first two weeks of my temp contract is because you have the metal sweet spot and then you have the wood sweet spot. And they say, if you hit it on the same spot, it goes about the same distance, but getting to hit it on the same spot is so much harder than hitting with metal. So I go in there already hitting with wood and these guys are like, what, you're in a wood bat league? Like, that's wild. Like how many tanks did you have? And I'd be like, yeah, I had nine, like granted, Three of them were at Southern New Hampshire, which was just a, a band box. It was just yeah, I've been tiny. up there, but yeah, but um, so yeah, I mean, I was just I was hitting barrels, like I was I was the the joke was the singles machine because I literally ripped like forty eight singles out of fifty um or something hits or something I don't know, but yeah, I was just hitting darts like hard low ground halt ground balls, low liners, up the middle, just hitting barrels and hitting it hard. Um, the old saying is hit it hard and good things will happen. And so my experience with wood bats definitely helped me um, to ha to showcase my barrel control um, at this level. And the thing was, it's, it's known the first two weeks is, is usually pitcher weeks because these, the, the, um, the collegiate athletes just don't have the wooden bat experience um, and they break a lot of bats. And so playing left field, um, when a lefty was up, I, the coaches would, they would have us come in. Like I would be probably 20 yards from the shortstop, just like chilling there. And no one would hit over my head for the first two weeks because they would all, it was perfect because they would all broken bat flares right over the third base and said, I'd go and grab them. It was perfect. And everyone knew it. And that's why I think um, having the barrel control and the experience with the wood bat definitely helped me. So when did you find out after the two weeks were up that you're going to be staying there permanently for the rest of the summer? And how did that go? This is a wild story. So um okay so i had a job in investment banking i was about to ask um, about that later on yes i heard about that so i had a job in investment banking that i that i was offered in february it was an internship um i don't know if you know anything about investment banking but it's extremely extremely diligent work um that takes up a lot of hours so um so they called me right after the season ends orleans and they go, hey, we want to offer you a temp contract. I said, when does that start? Because I had a June, uh, I'm sorry, a May, yeah, June 1st start date for my internship. And they were like, well, it starts June 6th. Like, you have to report June 6th. And I was like, all right, well, like, I have a job. Um, and, and one thing about this job is that 
you know, in, investment banking is one of the most competitive finance roles that you can interview for. And, you know, I was super proud of myself for uh, landing that job because in August, I had no idea what investment banking was. Okay. But I knew that if I worked hard enough, I could, I could learn what it was and um, land a job. And so when I got that job in February, it was, it was five months of burying my nose in an investment banking textbook, learning all of this stuff outside of classes, on top of baseball. So I got that job. It was so gratifying. And, 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 and so when I got the call, I was like, so bittersweet. I was like, I just worked my tail off for this job and I'm about to give it up for just the opportunity to maybe make the team and the odds are stacked against me because I have no idea what I'm about to go through. <clears throat> so I call work and I say, Hey, like I have this opportunity of a lifetime. Um, it's only two weeks. I'm going to go, I'm going to strike out 50 times and I will see you in two weeks. That's basically what I said. And so, and they were like, okay, um, you know, but we'd like to see you make up the work because usually our, our internships are about 10, 12 weeks. So I said, hey, fine with me. So I went on May 20th. Instead of the June 1st, I went early um, and I, I started working and boy, was that brutal. I would go in at 7.30 in the morning in the office and I wouldn't leave until 7.30, 8, 9. Wow. Um, I was run down mentally. It was rough. It was rough. You're staring at two computer screens all day. There's no windows where I was working. It was just not a conducive environment for me as a person who loves to speak to other people and who, who thinks that I can provide value to a company by personal interaction. I did not like sitting in front of a, uh, a computer for 12 hours a day. It just wasn't my vibe. Um, and so you know, grateful for the opportunity that I had it. Um, definitely learned something about myself and the jobs that I like. Um, and so when I left, you know, I was like, okay, like you get this break because I was grinding. So I get this break and I go down and um, first game, first at bat, rip a line drive up the middle. Um, next game, wide, we're playing YD, RBI single in the first inning. I'm just... I'm just ripping balls, um, obviously not for extra base hits, but I was just hitting the ball hard, getting on base. And I love the coaching staff. We hit it off real well. They understood where I come from. I think they respected the fact that I worked hard when I got there. And I was in the lineup um, the first game. And so when I got there on June 6th, I think this is a process that a lot of people can use um, that can help them. My thought process was when I got their game do whatever you need to do to get in the lineup for the first game so the first day we get there they set up two machines um for bp um one was on the left side of the pitcher's mound the other was on the right the one on the left was an absolute hammer of a curveball that was just not even a strike it was fl flat out a ball like two inches off the plate and we were taught to hit it and the other side was a 82 mile an hour fastball from about 40 feet away. So it was definitely in the 90s. Um, and we, uh, no one hit a ball for about two rounds. No one touched a ball, not even close. 
And so that kind of gave me like, all right, like no one's touching it. I might as well get up there and try and start hitting. I made contact with a couple balls. Uh, I put one to the fence. Um, so I'm starting to hit well. We start doing early work in the cage. I'm hitting the ball hard in the cage. Uh, I was doing outside work um, on my own. I was in the, in the gym with my trainer, um, Alex, Alex Simone. Yep, Alex Simone, right? We can talk about him later. I, I recommend Great guy. Him Great anyone. guy. I know of him. So, long story short, I made the lineup the first day. I was in the three hole, and I was like, what? Like, you're – I'm in the three hole. What, what am I doing here? And so, you know, started having success and, and my, my thought process on every game was do not give them a reason to take you out of the lineup. Do not give them a reason to take your playing time away from you. I was blessed to be in the lineup the first day. And, and one of the biggest things that, you know, the, the biggest phenomenon that I took out of this is you need to be effective early, early and often. Um, for you to have success in any next level, okay? Mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like, whether that's uh, making a diving catch in the outfield, whether it's squirting a ball through the shortstop third base hole, you know, just don't give them a reason to take you out of the game. Don't strike out. They hate, everyone hates strikeouts. Although I did struggle with that in the first 30 game or um, 30 at-bats or so, but I, I got through that. So my mindset was don't give them anything to take you out of the lineup. And so I was busting my ass down the baseline. Um, and that ended up getting me hits that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I dogged down the line. Um, so, you know, moving, moving on to that, you know, the wood bats definitely helped um, in two ways. I knew where the barrel was and they didn't produce the intensive hard ground balls that metal bats do so I could beat out the slow choppers. So it kind of worked out perfectly. And then, so two weeks in, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm leading the league in hitting. Yeah. And we have a doubleheader on Sunday against Harwich. And I'm in shambles because I have to go to work Monday. I told work I'd be back on Monday, but I'm leading the league and coach Skip still hasn't, Given me, are you staying? Or, or I'm sorry, like, here's your full contract. You know, we're done with the temp. You're good to go for the whole summer. So I was, like, freaking out, and I was in shambles because I worked my ass off for that internship. And I come here, and I have success here. And, I, boy, I was grateful for the options that I had. But, you know, I, I'll put it to you this way. Like, you walk into a bar, and there's two dimes. And you take one of them home, but – you know, you left that other one behind. What if, like, what if, what if that was my wife back there? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was that like, what if that was just screwing with me? And so my dad said on Saturday night, and I'll forget, he said, he said, go out on Sunday and, you know, hopefully you'll have an epiphany. You know, hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll go out there and you'll just realize something. And so I uh, went out there and had a great first game during the second game. Um, I just went out to left field and thousand plus fans, beautiful day, just like put my arms up and like looked at the sky. And I was like, dude, do you want to be sitting at a desk tomorrow for 13 hours and be an absolute lump in a desk chair? Or would you like to live out a dream for the next six weeks? And it was at that moment where, um, 
I went to, well, actually prior to this, I had asked Skip, do I have the, the full contract? Cause I had to go in there and ask. And he was like, dude, are you stupid? Of course you do. So I was like, word, that doesn't help me. Cause now I have a tougher decision to make. Flash forward to the double header. And I was like, Skip, I'm staying. And he threw himself at me and gave me a big hug. And I'll never forget that because it was just very, um, it was very gratifying to just know like that I was wanted there and that I deserved to be there. Um, and so that was the story of how I gave up my job in investment banking to pursue a dream. And my, my buddy put it the best way because I, I had probably talked to about 30 people. Um, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Yeah. Do I go? In baseball and business and people who play pro ball and went into business. And my buddy said, my buddy's father who works at Deloitte, he said, listen, dude, you got six weeks left in the cave and you have 50 years to sit at a desk. I think you know the right decision. And so I, I, I personally believe I made the right decision, but I told myself, listen, if you tear a hammy next week and they send you home, there's no what ifs. You can't look back and say, I should have done this, this, or this, but easy to say that now, grateful I had success and here we are. Do you ever want to return to investment banking or no? Probably not. Honestly, not the life for me. It's for psychopaths. I, I applaud anyone who's, anyone who's in investment banking. Good for you. I thought I had a great work ethic and I went there and it was grueling, grueling work. Per, you have to do perfect work, perfect everything, 12 hours, everything. And I need sleep. I need good food. And I need to talk to people. And I just wasn't doing any of the above. So probably not respectfully decline and applaud any investment bankers out there. You're, uh, you're psychopaths. So in the, in a term, in a time with you on the Cape, did the Yankees ever get back to you during that time frame? Yeah. So, uh, well, actually short answer. No long answer. He was the, the scout Matt Hyde was always at games, always talking to him. They never pulled the trigger on the free agent signing. This happens a lot. A lot of teams like to say a lot of things when it comes, you know, push comes to shove. A lot of them don't follow through and that's part of the business. And I totally understand that coming from a business school. Um, but no, it just, it just didn't happen. I was, I was almost signed uh, at the end of the summer. Um, but yeah, once again, they, you know, talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. How can that work if you're st- for because you were a junior at the time do you get the, do you have the option to go sign and then go back to school or is that just part of uh so um the way it works for any junior that signs or is drafted there's a clause in the contract that says they'll pay for your last year of school so i would go play you could also do online classes in the off season to finish up your degree and they'll they'll comp those so you know it's just about um if i was going to have this opportunity to um, cause obviously the signing bonus is higher when you're a junior exactly, because you have sure. leverage to go back to school. Um, and that's why they're paying you higher is because you're giving up your opportunity costs of a four year education or wherever you're coming from. And so they knew that was big for me, education. And, um, you know, when push came to shove, it just didn't work out, but, um, you know, I wouldn't change anything about what happened, uh, leading up to this point. Did you feel like you had a chip on your shoulder? From the, from the start in the Cape League because you're D, D2 athlete? You're going Absolutely after not. No, I, was sh- I told you, I was shaking in my boots, dude. Like, there was nothing. I had to convince myself that I belonged there. And it helped that 
when I first got there, um, I was, I'm, I'm a bigger dude, like stocky. And it was good to see that. Cause I thought I was going to pull up to straight up like NFL safeties and like <laughs> these massive dudes. But you know, it turns out I was actually on the bigger side of a lot of them. Um, faster, stronger in the, in the weight room. So when I got there, kind of calling me down like dude you got you got what it takes just put it all together and then as I start going um and hitting the ball then you quickly get a chip on your shoulder in the box but never did I let it take never did I let it flow outside of the outside of the uh the diamond um not a believer in you know being cocky or anything um so it's just a matter of in the box confidence is key you need that and when you're on you're on so it's important to have confidence in the box when did you find out you were an all-star and how did you, and, and what, what, what emotions did you have during that time? Dude, it was wild. It was, it was like, I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I knew the all-star game was in Orleans because, um, because like it was um, marketed like, yeah, the you market, year, yeah. like, Oh, all-star game in Orleans. I was like, Oh, that'll be sick to watch. Like come and see the home run derby. Like, Oh, I'll just go with the boys. We'll watch. And then I think it was on like July 21st or something, July 20th. So like a week before or something, like I knew I had a shot. Like I'm not going to play stupid. Like I knew I had a shot, but I didn't realize um, that it was going to happen. It's kind of one of those things where you're like, yeah, like that'd be sick, but like I'm not expecting it. And then they put out this graphic of like, me, Jared Schuster, and Noah Skurro were the other two from Orleans. And, like, Frank Thomas, Marcus. I saw Stern, that, yeah. And I was like, what is this? Like, that's sick. These dudes were all all-stars from Orleans. Like, this is unbelievable. And then I – it was just like I had to take a couple deep breaths and be like, okay, like, this is happening. And then the nerves kind of set in to, like, perform um, in the all-star game. And, um my buddies ended up coming. That was probably one of the best days of my life, honestly. They surprised awesome. me. You mentioned earlier you training with Alex Simone. Um, I, so I knew Alex um, just through his Instagram videos back in the day about – because I was trying to improve my game after my injury, and he kind of has good exercises on his Instagram. When did you meet Alex, and how long have you been training with him? Okay, so first day I met Alex was the first day of tryouts. He came. He, coach was like – Skip was like, yo, this is our strength and conditioning coach. And he led us through warm-ups. And that day I was like, yo, um, you know, can you hook me up with a lifting program? Because I obviously love to lift. Um, and I think it keeps me in shape to, you know, put power on the ball and stuff like that. He was like, yeah, like, what are you, like, what are you currently doing? Like, what program does Bentley have you on? And I was like, Bentley, Bentley doesn't have a program. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, like, can you just do something quick for me? And he's like, all right, come to the gym later today and I'll like look at your body, kind of do like an orthopedic assessment, see how you move. And then, you know, we'll, we'll just, I'll write you something up. Go there the first day and he's like, well, you know, why don't I train you today? And then, you know, and then we can go from there. Like mm-hmm. I'll train you today and then tomorrow I'll have some written for you. Well, going tomorrow, he's like, well, we're just going to train today too. And then whole summer, just perfect every day. This is something some people don't understand is training in season is a must. You have to train in season to prevent injury and to maintain strength. Okay. 
Now, when I got there, I didn't realize how important it was. Um, but I'll tell you, I didn't have a single injury during my time at the Cape, and that all goes out to Alex Simone for keeping my body in shape and for keeping my muscles toned and, and, and explosive and stuff like that. So at Simone Baseball Performance on Instagram, dude's the GOAT. He is an absolute uh, genius in what he does. He's based out of Austin, Texas right now. If anyone's from Austin, Texas, um, he, he was going to go be an assistant in Orleans this year, got promoted, big dog. But uh, Cape got canceled this year, unfortunately. So if you have a chance to train with him, he is one of the best in the business. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. Um, so trained with him the rest of the summer and we became boys. Like he was, he was one of my best friends from the Cape that I met. Um, he's on the younger side. So we just kind of vibed in, in the weight room. Um, he loved that I came in every day. I was one of the only guys in there every day working with him. And uh, so I trained remotely with him for the fall and for the spring up until this point. Uh, I've been training remotely with him. So, you know, he's he's been more than just a trainer. He's been a friend. And, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for um, the world putting us in the in the right path. We're going to have him on in a couple episodes. So hopefully I will get some. Really? Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I knew him through when I was in high school trying to I just got my shoulder in high school. So I was trying to find some different ways to help my shoulder get back. I ended up just watching his videos, but I reached out a couple of times to his opinions. But yeah, definitely a great guy. Can't wait to have him on as well. I think it'd be kind of cool to get your perspective than his at the same time from a case. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, yeah, definitely have him on. He should, uh, he should have some good stuff for you athletes out there. So kind of going off of that, I think you might have played with a friend of mine, Ben Sears, at the end of the summer. Ben Sears. Okay, so was he um, a D3? D3, CCRI. Originally, yep. Wheaton College, you probably hear of them, right, Wheaton? Yeah. Did he yeah. pitch at Chatham? Um, I don't know what game he pitched in. I can look that up. But I know he pitched uh, in a game for you guys this past year. I was trying to go to the game, but unfortunately, I had work. But, uh, yeah, he played. Did these guys come in? Did he pitch at Chatham? Yeah, uh, pitch at Chatham. Yep, four innings, yep. Pi- four innings pitched, uh, two hits, three strikeouts, six, 16 batters. Yep, he did. I remember this game, dude. He did very well, and it was like the Capes got to give some more love to these D2, D3 guys. I know it doesn't look good for the organization, mm-hmm. but, dude, there's talent out there that, you know, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to, and I'm, I'm grateful that um, Ben had the opportunity to because, you know, it's not only a dream playing, but, like, you find talent everywhere in the country. So I'm glad he has the opportunity. You know, obviously he didn't stay for long, so I really didn't get to know him, but um, I'm sure I gave him a pat on the butt for a job well done. He's going to the University of Houston next fall for baseball. Really? Mm-hmm. Good for him. Good for him. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry his uh, – well, did he play – what was his original college? So – I don't know the entire story. I gotta, I'm going to have that in a couple of weeks too, but he went to Wheaton originally. And then I don't know why he left, but then he went to CCRI. And then yeah. his first year at CCRI, he signed with the University of Houston. And I think that's why he got the, obviously his season, how he did. He got the buzz from the yeah. Cape and then that's how, how it went. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, good for him. I wish him the best of luck in Houston. So kind of back, on, back to that a little bit. Do you ever take a moment and kind of soak everything up when you're in the cave? You're like, oh, my God, I'm here. Maybe towards the end of it, like how you were able to like – you went from attempt to an all-star. And then did you, did you finish off the league with the highest average? 
No, I was I was third. Um, Nick Gonzalez took the cake for very good reason. That kid's the best hitter I've ever seen in person outside of obviously the majors. But um, yeah, dude, it, it, I didn't really soak it in. Like every, I tell you, like I, I, I stick my arms out and look up at the sky almost almost every game because just to be grateful for where I was and to, you know, just, just be present and be like, okay, you're here. Like, let's do this. But never really, cause, cause dude, you're in the eye of the storm. Like, huh? it's like, you don't realize, I've never realized what actually happened until after. Like, I didn't realize the magnitude of what I had done for my own career in baseball until after when I was getting calls, I was, you know, people were coming to fall games. Like it was just, you know, it went into orbit after the Cape season. Um, and I'm thankful for that, but you know, I, I never really in the middle was like, Oh, like I made it like, no, it never happened. Like it, it was just, I'm thankful for being here. This is a dream. It was the best summer of my life, hands down. And, you know, I, uh, I encourage anyone that that can play in the Cape to play in the Cape, even if you have to give up your lucrative job. I uh, as a D three, well, I always wanted to play in the Cape League. I know a, a teammate or a classmate of mine, Joe Sullivan, is the uh, is the bullpen catcher for Hyannis, but he got a he got like a ten day at the end of the season last year, so it's kind of cool to see another another D three guy get get the chance. Yeah. Um. Did, before the Cape Cod League, did you, did you play any other, like, uh, summer collegiate leagues, like the Northwoods League, or just, like, train the offseason? No? no, I played in the Rochester Collegiate Baseball League, which is just a local D3, like, league. And then, I mean, I had success there. And, like, it was – I mean, it's wood bat. All, all the summer leagues are wood bat. So, it was just, like – you know, I played there for three years and then went from the RCBL to the Cape. It was kind of wild. Um, Cape League versus the NE10. What do you think? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, obviously the Cape is the Cape is like all around. I mean, all around just the, like a better league skill wise and like community wise. Like the biggest thing of the Cape is the community is so involved that, you know, it kind of makes you feel like a superstar in a small town. Like it's wild how the first day I got there, um, me and my one of my buddies who was there that well I just met the buddy um we went to um oh I forgot the name of the place it was like a small burger shop and they were like oh what are you doing in the cave and we're like oh we're uh playing for the firebirds and they were like oh like that's sick like people came over and were like oh my god good luck like um they were like 10 percent discount like on us this time like that's like good luck this year and then freaking people setting up chairs like five hours before the game i'm like what are you doing like it's wild then, out there it's crazy and so that's something i'm you know i'll never forget is like the amount of community that is in the cape league is just unmatched not even close so that being said i'm gonna have to say the cape <laughs> one uh one time when i was bat boying in uh in Orleans, we I was a bat well, like just a bat boy. I, I slid into the other bat boy on Orleans' knees to get a, to get a ball in the backstop. Really? Yeah, I think someone from Orleans ended up yelling at me, but it was totally worth it because I got the ball. And That's the entire and, and the entire team was ready for a fight from my side. But uh, then at other time, um, so when I wasn't bat boying, the guys in the bullpen would text me, "Hey, hey, Bruno, I'll give you twenty dollars. Go get us twenty hot dogs." Yep. And, and, yep. It's how it goes. <laughs> Bullpen runs. It's how it goes. It's hilarious, but yeah, that's what it's like. 
What was your uh, favorite moment playing from the league? In the Cape? Yeah. All-star game by far. So we're it's 100 degrees out that day, okay? So we go take BP. Like, the, the West goes to take BP while the East is signing autographs. The East goes to take BP while the West is signing autographs. So we were in the East, obviously, and um, finished up BP. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Like, I had to change into my – Orleans tank or uh, top. Thank God we were red because it all just blended in. We're sweating and we're going into this school that is probably 10 degrees hotter than outside. And so I'm sweating. We're signing like these massive lines of people sign, pass, sign, pass, signing a ball. Someone gives me a ball, sign it. I look up and it's five of my like best friends from, from uh, high school and, and home. That's awesome. Brothers, brothers to me. And and I was in shock. I like looked up, started signing, did a double take, and was just blown away. They told didn't tell me they were coming. It's about a seven hour, eight hour drive from Rochester. So um it was wild. And they were going bananas during the game. Also, my my two brothers are there. Um, they were going bananas during the game. It was hilarious. They were, I love these dudes. They were um they were like, uh, you know how the scouts are behind? Yeah. They, they would go up to them and be like, hey, like, you see 32? Like, what do you think of them? It was <laughs> so funny. A couple of scouts talked to me after, um, like, just in, in uh, when they were, like, discussing signing and stuff like that. They're like, your buddies are hilarious. That's awesome. So, so first at bat, I had, like, a nine-pitch strikeout. Um, and that sucked because I was like, I don't know if I'm getting another at bat. Like yeah what's going on and so um I was literally drinking a, a a packet of Pedialyte every inning like it was it was 102 degrees it was disgusting so I get up to the plate for my second at bat and just took a high fastball and ripped it the stack cast had it or the I don't know what they call it point streak uh, no, yeah, uh, no, it was like some uh, – I forget what it's called. Whatever, Stackhouse had it at like 101 off the bat, and my friends erupted. They were screaming, like violently screaming until I got to first and went back to the bag. So that is probably the best moment um, awesome. of my baseball career. Probably top two in my life. All right. Um off time in the Cape Cod League is very limited. Not a lot of off days. What was your what, what did you do most of your off days down at the Cape? Dude, we had no off. Like I'm telling you, we had probably two off days, and that was because um, that was because it rained for yeah, a lot, and so we had a, we had to play like nine games in seven in the last seven days before the playoffs, and so like dude, we had like two off days, and I would just chill like do nothing because like I would go to the gym and do like a quick mobility workout to like make my you know recovery of the muscles but it was balls to the wall grind every single day if you had an off day it was like do nothing because you, you can't do anything you're gassed so I would have loved to hit the beachcomber see that like that's a sight to see um go to the beach we went to the beach a couple times uh skake it was in literally my backyard like it was a two-minute walk so I would go there with the family a couple times before games in the morning 
never got to NOS it. Pretty scared of sharks, so never ventured over there. But, um, yeah, not a lot of off days. But on the, on the off days, we would rest. You mentioned your host family. Did you have a good connection with your host family? And do you still kind of talk to them today? 100%. Gary and Teresa Lane were instrumental in me staying. I love them so much. They brought me in and they, they, they took family. You know, they let me basically do whatever I want. Like some, some, some host parents had curfews. Like this one was like, just don't be an idiot. And, you know, I never was an idiot. Um, there never was time to be an idiot, honestly. So they came to the games, you know, it was just, it was just, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, host family to be in. And I'm grateful for that. But did your parents ever come down to a game or probably the all-star game as well, but. They didn't make it to the all-star game. I forgot why they couldn't come. They had a good reason, but my, they came a couple of times. They came probably two times. One at Wareham. Yep, that's when I saw you there. And then, um, and then a couple of times, or one more time at home, my brothers came probably three, four times, um, just ripped the seven-hour, eight-hour trip. It was great um, to have them there, especially my little brother, um, who's uh, 11 at the time. And just to see, you know, you never think as the older brother that you're setting an example, but just to see him, you know, to see him watch me play was definitely a cool moment as a big brother um, to have. That's really cool. Um, what's your biggest lesson you learned from the Cape or a mindset you adapted to yourself that you can see in the real world or anything anywhere else? Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So from a baseball perspective, the biggest lesson I learned was to have an approach at the plate. Um, I didn't have an approach at Bentley. Like I didn't need one. Like it wasn't anything that I need to have an approach at. Just go up to strike at the ball. At the Cape, if he's throwing 95, you better be sitting fastball every pitch because if you don't, you're not catching up to it. You're not even close, okay? So you not only have to learn to time the fastball on every pitch, but you also have to learn to sit on breaking balls and, and learn the pitcher, make intra-game uh, adjustments so that you're not on your heels, you're on your toes. And so me, Alex Simone, and Matt Goodhart from Arkansas – we would have like three man huddles, like after at bats and be like, okay, what'd you see? Um, you know, what'd you feel good on? Did you like the fastball? Did it, you know, was there not a lot of movement? What did you time? Well, what do you think he's going to throw next up at? And we just kind of go back and forth, back and forth. And that's where I really learned to have an approach to the plate. Uh, and then, you know, in life, in life's sake, dude, I can't stress hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. It's, uh, sure. it's wild how much talent goes wasted because they don't uh, put their nose to the grindstone. So two lessons I learned right there. One thing I've seen from an outside perspective is you guys trade your warm-up college shirts. Do you have any good ones in that process or no? I never did because I tried I, – I, like, it never, like, we never did – it would, like, Orleans never did that. Like, and I didn't bring my Bentley shirts because – it was like I left them all in the, in the in the Boston apartment. So it was like, because I thought it was coming back, and I like I I just didn't. I brought one, and I was like, I, I want this. Like, so I never ended up trading, and that's probably one of my biggest regrets. But um, you know, it was it was cool to play with all of them, and um, I got some cleats. Um, I made a couple of them sign them because I was like, dude, you're going somewhere. So I had them sign cleats, uh, batting gloves, stuff like that. So no, no shirts. Do you still talk to any of the guys? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I talk to Josh Samora all the time from Nevada, Rob Emery from uh, San Francisco. He's actually going to Arkansas next year. Um, Zach Britton from uh, Louisville. So, yeah, these guys are all studs on and off the field. Like, they're just good people. And I think that's a big misconception that I had going in was, oh, these guys are going to be assholes. Like, they're going to be um, – they're going to be stuck up. They're going to think, you know, their shit doesn't stink type of thing. But, dude, they're, they're very good dudes, and they're just like the rest of us. How'd the last day go when you were at the Cape? Dude, the last day was a playoff game uh, against YD, and we lost. It was tough. Um, we always lose to YD, apparently. Orleans always loses to YD in the playoffs. So when we found out we were playing YD, everyone was like, uh, the community was like, crap, like, here we go again. So we dropped the first game. It was a wild series. Like, we, we dropped 2-0 um, the series. But just to be there and, like, in a playoff environment was just wild, man. The last day was so sad. Like, I, I had to say goodbye to the host family. and. I stuck around for a couple of days after just to say goodbye to the guys, but you know, it was, it was definitely sad and, you know, saying goodbye to Simone, like, dude, where's my workout partner for, you know what I mean? So it was just so bittersweet. So you mentioned earlier the after, well, no, I'm sorry. The, uh, the fall ball buzz when you got back to Bentley, how, how was there a lot of buzz after the Cape for you? How, what was it like seeing all that? Yeah. I mean, I got my fair share of, uh, chirps from the team that kind of stuff uh going on campus it was like you know i um you know just like random people like knew me and were like oh you played in the cape like that's so cool um the uh the university was posting a lot of stuff on it so like people knew of me um but most of it was in the team in the locker room just making fun of me like as much as you can make fun of playing in the cape but um yeah, there was some buzz, but, you know, I it, it quickly wore off. I was like, boys, like, we're back here. Let's do something special for Bentley. Like, there's uh, there's no looking back. We're all in the present here. So, unfortunate that we couldn't finish strong, but, yeah. We definitely will get to that part. Do you have a specific jer- – do you have a jersey – do you have a number that is special to you for baseball, like your favorite jersey number or anything like that? Well, I've been wearing 32 my entire career and um, – well, actually not my entire career. My college career and on the Cape. I plan to wear them moving forward if I can. Um, so 32 was actually my football number um, in, in peewee football. And so I always like to say that I peaked in peewee football because um, I was just like a running back. I was bigger for my size or for my age, just barreling kids over. And like I put up stupid numbers, but, you know, I like to say I, I peaked in um, in peewee football, and so I took that number in college because I was like, you know, I had much success with this number then, and uh, two was taken. It was a small jersey size. That's Derek Jeter for me. Derek Jeter is my favorite player of all time, and two was taken, so I ripped 32, and no one really liked, like, who else is 32? Like, Jim, I think Jim Brown was 32, or maybe Gail Sayers or something. Um, one of the old running backs, but dude, like, who do you know that's 32? So hopefully try and make the brand at number 32. So how do you manage being a student athlete? I know for a lot of people that can be kind of hard balancing the workload, especially D2, even D1 level. So for me, it was, it was, it was relatively 
uh, I don't want to say easy because it's not easy. Like you got to, you got to time manage, but I was prepared. Menden prepared me, my parents prepared me, my household. And so, you know, it just means that you have three less hours in a day, sometimes six, if you have games to do your stuff. But honestly, I think that that works for me because I love to procrastinate. And so if I know that I have two hours to do two hours of homework, I will do the homework in the two hours. And so it gets tough in the spring and group meetings and stuff, but dude, you know, it all, in my four years, you know, the, the kids that do well in school want to do well in school. The kids that don't, don't want to do well. And so if you don't want to do well, you're not going to do well, um, regardless of academic aptitude and stuff like that. So that's my two cents. I wanted to do well, so I did well. And that's, uh, that's with a lot of things. So obviously COVID put a dent in your senior year season, but how was senior, senior season going up for you, even your senior year as well, before it all went to hell? It was great, man. I, I started off hitting not so well. We played Rollins, like hitting like, well, I was hitting like 300, but I wasn't hitting the ball. Like, you know, when you're like, like roll it over through the holes or like bloop singles, it's like, I'm not, I don't feel good, but I was like putting up numbers. I beat out a ground ball or something. And then I started hitting the ball real well. Um, and it kind of sucked because I was hitting the ball really well. Um, when we stopped, I had probably three home runs in my, in the past, uh, two home runs in the past three games and a bunch of doubles mixed in. And I was ripping the ball, dude, you couldn't get me out. And so when we stopped, not only did that suck, but, we had a great team, man. Um, our coach says like one of the best teams to ever go through that program. Um, and it sucked to see a lot of the guys that will never play the sport again um, competitively have to say goodbye to it at a time when they didn't want to. And that sucked the most um, to see my, my brothers, my seniors have to go into the workforce and not get to say goodbye to the game when they wanted to. Um, and the way it happened was we were playing Dominican or not Dominican. I think it was Dominican university or I, I don't you. know. And um, we we're playing at little Fenway in Boca and we we're spanking them and fifth inning rolls around and we're getting buzzed. Big 10 canceled, ACC canceled, SEC canceled. And we're like, we're toast. There's no way the any 10s playing if all the power five conferences are, are gone. So Sixth inning rolls around, coaches are buzzing, they're looking at flights, and we're like, what's going on? And then I'm grilling the assistants. Is this my last game? Is this my last game? And so I went up, my last at bat. Well, second to last at bat, I walked. I was pissed. Or I got hit. I was pissed. Thank God I got another at bat in the in the la in the ninth inning, top of the ninth. And um I K'd. I was that I was 3-0. Then it went 3-1, and there was a 3-1 pitch in the dirt, 50 feet probably, swung at it. I'm not walking my last at bat. Then he throws me a fastball right down the middle, and I freaking took a daddy hack and just totally missed. I probably would have spanked it if I just took my regular swing. But then we went home the next day and spent a couple of days with the boys, and that was it. So You might not even – did you feel like – you had a little, not, I don't want to say pressure, but did you feel like you had to live up to like the uh, magnitude from the Cape for a D2 player back in the Northeast 10 or no? Yeah, there was, there was some of that, but it was mostly internal, kind of external from like the coaches, but like I, I, I put it on myself. 
like a lot of what I learned this year was was um, managing expectations. Okay, so I knew that I had it in me, but how do you get that out of yourself when you expect so much? So that was why I uh, I learned a lot about the mental side of the game, uh, visualization, uh, meditation, and stuff like that. And um, you know, it was mostly internal pressure, and it it all worked out because I got into a groove. Once you're on the field, it's like all the thoughts go away at that point. So especially when you're with your boys. So kind of might have mentioned that earlier with the visualization, but any good pregame shenanigans or any pregame rituals you like to do before the game? Pregame rituals. So what I like to do is from a mental perspective, like visualization. So I took a sports psych class in the fall and it taught me a lot about the power of visualization. And so I would sit in the cage. I did my, my project on uh, visualization during PP. And so I, call me wacky, but I, I put up a chair facing the long side of the cage, like at, at the plate. And I would sit there and I would take in the cage and be like, okay. And then I close my eyes and I would just visualize myself staying inside the ball, hitting the ball to the top right corner of the net, staying inside an inside ball, hitting it up the middle and just doing all these repetitions over and over again in my head. And I really think that helped me um, as I moved into games, I would do that pregame uh, on, the, on the bus ride there. Uh, I do a lot of meditation just to get my nerves down because, um, you know, there's an optimal performance zone psychology. It's the OPZ um, and it's, it's, it's a state, it's a state of minor anxiety where your heart rate's up because you need your heart rate up to, to produce like what your body can produce at an optimal level. So I was just focused on getting my body in the best position possible to do, to perform at my best. Um, and then outside of the mental um, aspect, it was, um, I found my medicine this year for pregame. My medicine is 10, uh, three sets of 10 rapid ball, rapid uh, front uh, soft toss. And that gets me loaded. Boom, my path is just short. If you're not short with, with quick toss, you're done. You can't hit it. So I would do that. Sometimes I do that in between at bats. I'd just be like, coach, like, let's go down to the cage, rip 10 balls. I'd be like four batters away from hitting. And that, when I started that, started ripping balls. It wasn't even close. So that that's my pregame routine in a, in a nutshell. But nothing nothing too superstitious. Any uh, favorite pregame music to listen to? Uh, Kanye West is the GOAT. Um, honestly, that's it. I just rip Kanye. I like uh, Eminem can get in my – I just like anything that amps me up. Like, like really, baseball, like, it's not like a heavy metal, like, amp up. It's a uh, find what gets your blood boiling with controlled aggression find your why i like to find the why as in like why am i playing why am i here what am i doing and then i just channel it into the music and just bump i love rap like any song that you know the songs that get you going and stuff but i play i like uh meek mill blue notes is a sick song um kanye west you know whole graduation album whole life of Pablo, anything my beautiful dark twisted fantasy it all gets me going so Music is an integral part of my life and an integral part of my uh, my pregame routine. Besides the All Star game, which might actually be the answer, but do you have a favorite sports memory, or is it is it probably that? 
All-Star game or uh, hitting three home runs against Southern New Hampshire um, in the same game was just magical. Like, I don't know how I did that. And, like, that's just thinking back, like, how, how did that even happen is just wild. So um, that's probably one and two, All-Star game and then three home runs. So obviously right now the Major League Draft is now five rounds. I personally thought, I obviously could do your assess last year. You would have gone if there was, well, I hope you still go now, obviously. I think you had a better chance to go if there was more than more the regular rounds. Is there any draft posts going on with you right now? What's going on? I don't know what's going on, but is there anything going on with it right now with you? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, none, not, not many of the teams, if not all of them, you know, think I'm a top five rounder, which is fine. Um, I've been doubted my whole life. I personally think there isn't, um, let's see, what's the math, five times 30. Um, I personally don't think there's 150 baseball players better than me in the country right now. And that's a quiet confidence that I hold. And if you don't think you're the best player in the world, then you're sure as hell not going to perform like one. Um, and so, you know, obviously none of the teams think this. Um, there's a shot I go in the fifth round to a team. Um, not sure I can discuss that, don't, but don't worry. Um, but if not, I'll be signed in free agency. Um, a slew of teams have reached out and said they'd like to sign me. Um, free agency starts um, 48 hours after the fifth round ends. That's I, I wish I do wish you the best with that. So and I can might ask my next question. Your post college plans? Are you trying to go graduate or you stick to your bachelor's? No, I'm I'm looking to play ball, dude. Um, that works. That I like that answer. I like that answer. I'm looking to play ball. There's no reason why, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I've already given up. I've sacrificed so much of my um, of stuff that I've worked for that if I choose to just stay in the middle of my whole life and just have one foot in in finance and the other foot in baseball, it's not going to work out. You know, you can't have a safety net um, and then be great at something. You know, the greats. That's all they had. That's all they looked forward to. That's all they, if it didn't work out, they were screwed. And that's the mindset that I'm trying to have moving forward is if you want this thing, you got to go get it. And you can't have a safety net, which is why I didn't get a job this fall. I didn't go out and get a job because I knew that if I had that safety net, I wouldn't go in the cage on after practice, before practice, on our off days, rip workouts that Simone sends me. So the safety net is non-existent at this point I know it can go back into finance but there's nothing immediate and I'm, I'm going to go play baseball and, and see what my abilities can do and, and how far it can take me that kind of answers my next question you definitely stay in fit now then probably right yeah definitely I'm, I'm I'm working I mean we're all trying to play dude like sucks that the that the league um is in this predicament right now um I'm sure they have somewhat of a, of a good reason to to be in this but um we're all trying to play, and, and, and that's just the biggest mindset for all the players at all levels is, you know, let's try and figure this out and um, get back out there and start playing for the fans. Did you end up going back home, or do you stay up in Massachusetts? I'm home now, so as soon as – I mean, we got sent home from spring break. I still haven't got my stuff from school. Um, I probably should head back there in the next – I probably will after this weekend. You just um, send me. It's right near me. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's been this packing or storage company. I don't know what the heck's going on. So I got to go get all my stuff. Um, but yeah, that's the plan is to play ball and then um, hopefully be signed and then go get my stuff from Bentley and come on home again. How did uh, virtual graduation go? 
We didn't have one. We had like a Bentley toast, like a really? got on with like a glass of champ. I I didn't do it. Like <laughs> it's just like uh, we're gonna have a in person graduation. They said in late August. That's, that's cool. I I like that idea. I don't know if that's gonna work or like if people are gonna go, but um, yeah, that's that's what's happening at this point. Well, that's, I do wish you the best with that. I think you're the first person to actually do research on us. Well, me and Connor before we interviewed you. I do appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I love what you guys are doing. I, I appreciate you having me on here, dude. You know, it's, uh, it's great what you guys are doing. Podcasts are fantastic. I listen to Joe Rogan every day, and I love ripping podcasts because you get to see how other people's minds and, and bodies work. So I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. Before we end, do you want to plug your Instagram or anything like that before we end it? Um, I mean, not a huge like Instagram hype beast or whatever, but if you guys want to toss the follow, definitely would appreciate it. It's Max Troiani underscore. Um, and I'm sure you have the spelling of my last name because some people struggle with that, but yeah, Max Troiani underscore. Awesome. Well, Max, thank you very much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, good luck with the draft. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, bro. No problem. Take care. You too.